You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Oh, bride chillers and groom chillers, one of the most popular topics. I say this all the time because every topic's popular in our community, but food, it's a big deal. When it comes to your wedding, you want to eat well, but everyone's got an opinion about how you should order food, where you should get it from, especially when you start talking to families. They all want to say, well, you've got to have steak and chips and you've got to have chicken. And you're like, I don't even like that stuff. So today I am inviting a very knowledgeable person who can help us clear some of the shit that's occasionally associated with catering excuse the pun, and also get give you some some quality advice about how to negotiate with caterers, talking about different foods, and also some of the answers that maybe you can give nosy family members who will want to give their opinion on what sort of food you should be serving at your wedding. Sarah Hall, as she says, is the prez, <laughs> the president. Uh, she didn't say that. She's like, this is a very stuffy it title, really but I like saying she's the prez of Joel Catering. Sarah, Thank you so much for coming on the Bride Chiller podcast. You are based in New Orleans. That's correct. A very fun place. A very fun city where we have a lot of local weddings, obviously, but also we're the um, second largest destination wedding city in, in the United States. That's great. Well, I mean, it's a party town. Lots of people come and have, it it's always seems to be, I have not visited, but from everyone I've spoken to, vendors especially, say it's such an optimistic, exciting place to celebrate anything. It's- it sounds it Yeah, sounds I think great. it's a really fun place to to have a wedding and, and a lot of people that come here are people that have visited and just fall in love with the city. It's one of their favorite places to come and vacation. And it's also for us in the US, it's fairly centrally located um, and easy to get to and not too mm-hmm. expensive, but also um, feels really different than most of the country. You know, we've got a lot of older European style architecture. Um, that, that really makes for beautiful, beautiful spaces, beautiful backdrops for special events like a wedding. It's beautiful. I, I Look, I really am so happy that you are going to share some of your catering knowledge, especially because as I said in the intro, it can be really challenging for people to sort of hone in on what they want, especially when there's a lot of different opinions, as we sort of know when planning a wedding, everyone's got something to say about everything. Ugh. They really do. And the food is something that people talk a lot about. And it's also a huge portion of anyone's budget. Yes. You know, feeding everyone, you know, food and beverages is usually the largest single line item. Um, And so that means it's really important that you get what you want and that you're excited about it and everyone loves it. A lot of pressure on that. There is a lot of pressure. And I, you know, I think think back to some of the weddings we've been to and a lot of my really positive, besides the actual emotive part of remembering, you know, people coming together, getting all loved up, but the actual memories that I sort of have stored are on around food, whether the food is freaking amazing or if you go, oh, that steak was overcooked and tasted like a boot, you know, you you sort of remember that stuff. So you want to get it right. And obviously, different sorts of food and, and some people rate rate the food quality higher than others in their list of pros and cons but you know for me food is such a huge part of a celebration I would be um I'd be stuck to find something ahead of it besides no food this is it food is my thing there it is I'll take that we appreciate that food's really important to us too and it's the reason that our company was founded and the whole idea was to have fine dining quality food at events because so often the standard is so much lower than what you would ever actually want to eat you know go to a wedding and it's not 
if it's edible, sometimes you're like, oh, thank God, there's something I can yeah. eat tonight. Um, and so that's not great. That's not, no. this, you know, that's not what you want, really. And no. um, and so and so that's what we were. That's why our company exists is to create really amazing food. Um, sometimes it can be really simple and straightforward, but just really delicious. Sometimes it's very elegant and um, and exciting cuisine, you know, depending on what our clients want. But but it's it's really important. And I think it does add to the energy of a party. You know, people are kind of um, are really excited when they have some delicious food as opposed to feeling maybe luck if they if they're hungry and not finding anything that they want. Um, and the happier you can keep your guests, you know, usually the more fun the party is. I agree. And also, I think it's the it's not feeling like, as you said, you don't want anyone to be hungry. Also, good food also helps soak up booze so people don't get messy and like about 10 minutes. It does. <laughs> it does. You, you can, I mean, I think we've all had that experience, right, where you had a couple glasses of wine or whatever and then you're like, oh, I didn't realize I was going to get drunk. And then you yeah. go, oh, I haven't eaten in six hours. Yes. That's why it's affecting me. Yeah, and I think um, that's a that's a, that's yeah. such a good point because I think it's um, a lot of time people think about the the main event of just go all right we're going to have a meal or you know appetizers during cocktail hour if you're going to do that but also it's about distribution of food so people don't get that don't get that moment of just either you know getting really loose but also wanting to eat the walls because there's nothing right. There. We work on that, you know, and I know that you've talked about timelines um, on, on this podcast before. We work on timelines and food really carefully to make sure that people don't get too ravenous because that makes people, again, grumpy, loses their energy. Um, and, and, you know, we don't, we don't ever want those lulls. Um, and for us in New Orleans, we do actually m- many more cocktail reception style weddings than seated dinners. Hmm. Um, and so, which I know is unusual for most of the country and most of, and in many places in the world, you have a, a seat, you know, cocktail hour, and then a two or three or four course seated dinner, and then you move on into um, cake and, and dancing and all of that, where we have more of a cocktail style, where maybe we have a cocktail hour, but then dinner is served at food stations. Um, but but regardless of how you do it, uh, you know, we have sometimes there's some churches here that the ceremony is at eight o'clock at night. And and so then you're looking at dinner at 930. That's not great. Yeah. You know, people are going to be really hungry and kind of grumpy. And, I, you know, you, you run the risk of maybe never even having your wedding reception, that fun party kind of get off the ground, you know. Well, let's talk, let's go back to the beginning and when people approach you and I, as you know, obviously we're talking about your specific knowledge and it's great that I, I know what you're going to talk about today can be transposed into other situations, talking to other caterers and, and um, restaurants as well. But when people approach you, what is the best way from your perspective as a vendor for someone to come and say, hi, we're, we're thinking if I, because I know that mm-hmm. you run venues as well, you right. run your venue as well, but people come to you and say, look, we've got a hundred people we really like chicken. Or how does it work? Because I think a lot of people get a bit stuck to go, it's literally the chicken or the egg to go, do we find a venue and then we find a caterer or do we find a really great caterer and then we take mm-hmm. them to the venue? It's, it's quite difficult to come to the conclusion as to what decisions to make and then how to actually find sure. the right caterer. So, that, you know, right, that'll, that'll be what you, that'll provide what you want. So I think, I think part of it is yeah. defining your priorities. 
you know, so step one, because we, we do own venues or venue, but we also are an off-premise caterer and that's how we started. So um, I think part of it depends on, on where your head's at as far as um, your priorities. So some places might have uh, be a beautiful venue, but have food attached, an exclusive caterer that maybe isn't great and that you don't love. And so then you yeah. really have to ask yourself, which, which is more important to me? And that's a question that every bride is, I think is allowed to ask you know, herself or, or a groom or to, however it's working that you ask your, your, each other, um, you know, your partner, yeah. what'll work. And so that's sort of, st- and then the other factor of course is if you have a caterer that you love or you've heard great things about a caterer, you absolutely can call them up and we get this all the time and say, Hey, we would love to use you guys where we've heard great things. Where, where's a great venue that, that you're allowed to cater at? Where, where can you go? Um, and so and we even have like on our website, we have that and a lot of off-premise caterers do. And one of the things that can be great about an off-premise caterer, and I think, you know, and we're both, so I feel like I can say this uh, <laughs> and be fair to everybody. But, you know, one of the things about being an off-premise caterer is you really have to earn your keep. Um, and, and so, you know, no one's going to hire you theoretically if your food is just terrible. Um, whereas at a venue, sometimes I think some venues can have great food and of course there's bad, you know, off-premise catering as well, but some venues have great food, um, attached to it and some venues may not. Uh, and I think there's also the question of budget where, um, maybe the food is great, the venue is beautiful, but all of the pricing is set up in a way that you're just never going to be able to honestly afford it. And in that case... You know, we certainly, I would never, yeah. ever tell someone to over budget for anything. It just is not, it's just not worth it. No matter, no matter how much you think it's going to make your wedding great. Uh, debt, debt doesn't help. And yeah. that's, that's, that's tricky. No, exactly. And we're, we're, we're very much, you know, the, the ethos of Bride Chiller is just spend what you can afford, but you know, you don't want to wake up a champagne hangover, not a debt hangover the next morning after your wedding. And you know exactly i mean (laughs) you know no meal is worth that (laughs) it really isn't and i say it as someone who you know i earn a living based on people spending money on their wedding and i'm the first person to say don't do it it is not it is 100 percent not worth it just like anything else buying a beautiful house that you can't afford you don't wake up happy no. Uh, you know, that's just, that's just the truth for, for all financial questions. Um, but anyhow, so I would say define your priorities. Look at what look at what you think is um, is going to mean the most to you. Find a venue and see if you like the catering attached. Find a caterer and see if you like the venue attached um, uh, or the you know different venues they can go to. And then as yep. far as getting started on the menu, um, one of the you know, we often start off with a conversation about what people are looking for. You know, and so it's great to have that information already kind of figured out, you know, what kind of foods do you love? What are important to you? What kind of specialty, um, you know, dietary restrictions you might have? I mean, it might be that that you're a vegetarian and you want to make sure that vegetarians are well represented or it might be all vegetarian, whatever may have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, your budget as well. So you can really speak honestly Um I think sometimes people can be a little bit reticent about the budget and, you know, talking about money can always be a little bit awkward, especially with a stranger. I don't know if that makes it easier or harder sometimes, but this, you know, voice on the phone or the first time you're meeting, you're like, let's talk about my finances. It's not, it's not really a great, 
a great space to be in. And I get that. Um, but it'll ultimately help make it make the first draft proposal, for example, so much more accurate. Um, even if someone comes in under budget, you know, that would be great. Doesn't happen a lot. I'm not going to lie. Um, sure. But let's say it did. Let's, you know, OK, well, then you need to go back and find ways to spend more money or is it not? Is it not as nice as you were thinking as, you know, the ingredients you got chicken, but you were really wanting beef? You know, it's so much easier to just share that information. And of course, the more common situation is if you get a proposal that you love, that's let's say it's $15,000 over budget, that's just going to be a bummer. You know, um, you're not going to get that and be excited. You're going to get that and be sad and feel like, oh, I, maybe I can't even have the wedding I was envisioning. But maybe you can. Let's just let's just start at the same place. Um, with the best information oh, possible. Sarah, I'm so, I'm so happy that you said that. And I think this is something that we should be talking about more often. And it comes from both the vendor side and also the mm-hmm. client side that we, if you are, you know, I'm big on saying, just pick your number at the top of the, at the top of the gig when you're first getting engaged and you'd be realistic about the whole big budget mm-hmm. and, and, then when you approach vendors and be able to have a discussion, a frank discussion, as you said, about money and just sort of say, is this realistic? If we've got five grand, is that going to feed 500 people? Probably right. not. Uh, but then, <laughs> yeah, see you later. Um, but to be able to be transparent and not be, you know, away with the fairies in your expectations versus reality, but then also being able to adjust the expectations to you know, after having this conversation with the vendor, and it's much better from your perspective, I'm sure, having people come in and go, look, this is my absolute limit. What can you do for it? And then not them sort of saying later on, uh, you've quoted them for 10 grand, but really they've only got five. And then you've got to either lose their their business or go, shit, I've got to lose five grand or how are we going to fix this? So, yeah. So it is hard, but it's, it's better. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think honestly, it pays off so much. You know, I think there's the two reasons people don't talk about their well, maybe there are three reasons. One, they don't have a budget, which you, you kind of need to get to work on that. You need yeah. to have an idea because at some point you're going to have to start writing checks and you need to know how much money you're going to have in your yes. account. I mean, that's just the, that's just the fact. You got to get it done. Um, it, even though it involves sometimes awkward conversations with your with your fiance, with parents of either side, you, you just got to deal with it. Um, and then number two, people are awkward about, about, you know, wanting to talk about money. And then number three, sometimes I think there's even the idea of like, well, if I tell her my budget's $30,000, then she's going to spend every penny, even though I could have gotten it for 25,000, you know, I'm going to, she's going to like, you know, run up the numbers. And all I can tell you is that doesn't happen. You know, we've, you know, I, I wish, I don't know what dream world we would all live in where we had all this extra room in budgets all the time. That doesn't happen. What really happens is, you know, it's it's it. Your budget's thirty thousand, but we send you something at forty or whatever, and then we have to kind of backtrack. And you, anyway, it's just so much better to to try and be honest, and then we can kind of hit that target, or we can tell you in the beginning, you know. Um, and sometimes we know this. I think the way these numbers are going to come together. Here are some compromises we might think about, or here is a different way to consider this, so that we can come in on budget from the start. And then if everything comes in on budget or you end up finding more money down the road, great. You know, there's always room to grow as every, mm. everyone listening, I'm sure is well aware. Um, there are always more ideas and more ways to spend money, but, um, oh, but yes. starting out on the right, it's never hard. It's never a problem for no. me, Sarah. I'm always no. fine to add a couple of grand onto things. I'm so good uh, at it. So, so good. <laughs> it's my special skill. Absolutely. More Bridechilla after this. 
So let's talk about when people come to you, uh, and as you said, if, if you have find a, a, a caterer, and especially through word of mouth as well, and, and you find a venue that will accept outside caterers, mm-hmm. it can sometimes be tricky. Some venues are a bit, I don't know, standoffish or weird, saying we're only going to talk, we're only going to work with three caterers, and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna, but I like these three mm-hmm. caterers. What are we going to do? Do you come across that, uh, you know, with people coming to you and saying we love what you do? Do you then go and negotiate with the venue or do you get involved or is that not your bag? Um, We'll definitely negotiate with any venue and work with them. Um, I think that one of the hallmarks of reputable caterers and reputable venues would be that they would know each other somewhat, even if they don't work there regularly, and be able to go in and represent themselves properly, produce all of the insurance information. Um, some venues, there might even be a security deposit for the kitchen or something like that. That If, if you're hiring a reputable caterer and, you're, and they're not on your venue's list, but your venue does allow outside catering, I, there really shouldn't be too much of a problem between those two vendors getting together and working it out. We've done it numerous times. Sometimes there is a small fee. Um, you know, there might be a per person catering fee. One venue that we work at, I think for people that aren't on the preferred list, it's like a $5 per person catering fee. And so sure, you'd want to consider if that's worth it to you. Um, but ultimately, yeah. those things can be worked out, I think. Uh, and, and to be honest, if if there's some sort of problem with one vendor or the other, I would think long and hard about whether you'd want to work with them. I mean, most vendors are incredibly great, hardworking people that are doing the best they can. But if a, if, if a venue, for example, says that particular caterer is banned from ever coming here again, you might want to think about why. <laughs> Do a little bit of Googling on that one, guys. Yeah, you might want to get that information and figure out what on earth is going on. And the same, or if you've got a great caterer and they're like, this venue is not returning my calls, they won't talk to me. You know, again, let's just find out what what's going on because ninety nine percent of vendors in this business are, are acting in good faith. But, you know, like anything else, it's, it's human beings, and you know, <laughs> problems can arise yeah. sometimes. Yeah, but due diligence, is- isn't it? It's always doing mm-hmm. your, your your research and sort of asking for references. There was a great conversation actually, Sarah, with a, a Facebook community called the Bride Chiller Community, and someone was asking about um, one of their vendors being a little bit hesitant when they approached them for asking if they could contact a couple of their previous clients, and. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and it kicked off and it was great to see everyone. We've got a lot of vendors in the community as well, just sort of saying, well, I absolutely love sharing references with people because it shows how good my work is. So if, if you've got people that aren't willing to jump in and g- give a couple of phone numbers out or email addresses with people that have agreed to do it, then you probably should be a little sus on why that is the case. So I think, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. It's not that uncommon, you know, and even if even if it's something saying like, well, you know, talk to, we don't like to bother. I mean, I guess maybe there's some, we don't like to bother previous clients, sure. but most previous clients, you know, we've, we've generally built great relationships with a lot of our brides and, and even what feels like a real friendship. And so mm-hmm. it should never be very hard to email a few of your previous clients and say, you know, you know, are you available to email them or phone call, yeah. you know, what, you know, what, that, yeah, that should not be hard. No, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think yeah. if, if, there's, if, there's, if there's hesitation, maybe question why. 
Good. Absolutely. Don't ignore those red flags. They don't <laughs> tend to go away, unfortunately. Now, tell me a little bit about menu. And uh, I mean, I've perused and gotten a little bit hungry looking at your uh, homepage. And homepage is something oh. like an eight-year-old says, your home webpage. <laughs> Who am I? I would probably not have a better word, so I'll take Thank it. You. Your headquarters on the internet. Um, yeah. You do a lot of a, a variety of different cuisines. And as you said, I love that you do the, the cocktail receptions, which I actually think are a lot more, you know, coming in to be a lot more common elsewhere as well to have not necessarily wanting the formal sit down. And, and obviously cocktail doesn't mean that there aren't seats and you're not going to have a, a meal somewhere. It's just right. a different style, isn't it? Exactly. It's just a different, it's ultimately it's serving food at food stations instead of having a seated served dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it can mean you have seating for everybody. It can mean you have seating for as few as 30% of your guests, um, which is probably really horrifying to a lot of your listeners to even contemplate, but it's, it's a little bit normal in New Orleans. Um, but I prefer a minimum of like 50% seating to make sure that you get that moving around vibe and people are sort of up yeah. and having fun, but that you never have to feel like, oh man, I want to sit down and there's no place for me to sit right now. So yeah. 50 to even 60%, you know, is, is a nice number, but you can, you can definitely have a cocktail reception and have seating for everyone. It's just a matter of having different stations. Um, you know, it's very common in New Orleans and we get a lot of, like I mentioned before, a lot of destination brides that come down and maybe the, the um, couple getting married can be very uh, into the idea of having a New Orleans style or as they think of it, um, wedding reception. And sometimes their parents are like, what? Where do I put my purse? Where does my jacket go? How do I know where to feel? What are we doing? Like, it like blows people's minds sometimes. So, um, so we can have a little bit of education about how it can work, which is not, it's the same as every other cocktail party you've ever been to, to be honest. Um, but with better food and, and uh, better music, um, usually. But uh, but one of the benefits, I will say, something to consider if, if 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 people are on the fence, there are benefits to both styles. One of the benefits to a cocktail reception is um, if you've got a lot of particular eaters or needs on that front, you're serving instead of picking one entree or maybe two entrees, you can serve five entrees theoretically. You know, you've got all these different food stations with different proteins mm-hmm. and starches and, you know, meat or seafood, you know, you've got a lot of variety, you know, you, you're serving 20 different things to people so you can accommodate everyone's eating needs without trying to make yourself crazy. Um, it's also a lot less work, I think, for the couple planning their reception because you're not worried about seating charts and getting um, super exact numbers sometimes. And it can be less expensive depending on um, on how you do it. You know, you can always spend money, but it can, it starts out being less expensive than a seated dinner. And I also feel like it's, I mean, the social aspect there, as you said, it, it's its a lot more appealing for me personally as someone that likes to go around and, and chat with people. And I mean, that's what mm-hmm. a lot of the wedding is, that you get to, you know, hobnob with a whole bunch of people, not just five people on a table that you're sitting with for the next four hours. So I feel like there's a lot more, um, op- there are a lot more options there for everyone to get to see everyone and for you to mingle and, you know, get all the goss and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and meet new people if you're yeah. um, trying to make some new friends or, or uh, didn't bring a date and maybe we'll want to leave with one. Um, Absolutely. You know, we, uh, I will say this. So okay, we have a lot of weddings, like I said, that, that are cocktail reception style uh, down here, but, but their guests are from out of town. And, um, and then sometimes we have the reverse where we'll, you know, or we have a seated dinner for those out of town guests 
and the people from the Northeast, let's say from Northeast US. And uh, it's, it will never cease to amaze me how they have these elaborate dinners and none of them sit down for them. None of them want to do be a part of them. I think they're yeah. so tired of going to six, seven hour wedding receptions where three hours is sitting down at one table with, like you said, five to 10 people and spending the night there that they get up and do other things. So I, as a caterer, am like, you know, so proud of this food and so excited. We work so hard on the menu and like no one's eating it and no one cares. <laughs> and that's when I'm like, we could have saved so much, you know, money and, and yeah. had what you guys want, which is a cocktail reception. We do it all the time. It is ironically the New Orleanians that don't go to as many that are very respectful of them and will come in and sit down because it's not every day. But for people that are really used to a lot of, you know, long seated dinner weddings, they love the cocktail reception style. It, you know, they, they tend to really enjoy themselves. Once they, once they get that education piece out of the way for some conservative uh, parental types, you know, it's, they, everyone usually really enjoys themselves. Yeah. Look, it, it's, it's, we go back to it over and over again on Broad Children to say, it's your wedding. Do whatever the fuck you want. That's it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you don't have to, and I mean, especially with someone who's listening to this podcast and planning their own wedding, everyone's been to other people's weddings. I know you've, you've had um, whole podcasts that have been inspired by what we learned at other people's weddings. And a lot of mm. it was good. And some of it was no, thank you. That's not for me. Um, yep. You know, so don't be afraid to do what, what's going to suit you and what, and, uh, and, and find the vendors that are going to do that, that really well, what you're asking for, you know, lastly, uh- Tell me about people that come in to you and uh, sort of say, look, everyone's pressuring us to say we have to have chicken or fish or we have a lot of people that, you know, say that they are vegans or vegetarians, but then their family have said, well, you've got to serve meat at your wedding because that's what's done. Mm-hmm. Give me give me a response for them because I always, you know, I, I always think food is such a big part of your day but also if if you have a a way of life that you are sticking to and you believe in it shouldn't be altered just because other people aren't going to necessarily agree with it what do you think about that well i think primarily the most important thing is that the food that you're serving is delicious and so you know if you let's say you are again maybe you know, the couple getting married are both vegetarians and want to have a vegetarian wedding. But of course, not every guest attending, you know, observes that style of eating. But if you're serving vegetarian food that's delicious and filling and wonderful, everyone's going to love it and no one's going to miss anything. Um, So I think for me, that's step one. Delicious food is delicious to everybody. Um, And and then I also think, though, step two is, um, to be honest, I think it does need to be delicious. Like if you're serving vegetarian food that isn't very good, then no one's going to enjoy it. Now, of course, if it was also chicken that wasn't very good, no one's going to enjoy that either. Um, So I always kind of come down to find out a way to make the food as tasty as possible, even if that means it isn't as elaborate, even if that means you're going with you know, homey, homey things that your caterer or the venue that you're at or the hotel that you're at can do really well. Um, and then I also just say for the reverse where you've got some guests that are, um, have special eating needs. You know, there's obviously a lot of people that are gluten-free these days in the U.S. There's vegan, vegetarian, um, you know, pescatarian, I mean, on and on. Um, you know, Rather than letting one or two people dictate a lot of choices, what we tend to do is just provide special meals for those people to make sure that they're well taken care of, especially if it's someone that is, um, you know, gluten-free or, uh, 
or vegan, there may not be a lot of things on on a you know entree plate or first course or even at, a, at food stations that they can eat. And so we do want them to be happy. And that's when we'll just make a special plate, make sure that they're aware of it. And when they're ready to eat, we'll bring that from the back just for them, whether it's the seated dinner or cocktail reception style. Um, so that you don't have to worry about, you know, even if it's five people, so that you can take care of those five people without making more compromises than you were really interested in. I think that's one of the things that can happen in a lot of wedding planning, where one or two really needy people kind of get in your head as a host, and they can be, and, and even though they're not saying anything to you in your mind, you've got like that voice of those people dictating your decisions. Um, yes. and then, and then you end up kind of getting far afield from what you really want because you're like, Oh, we have to have this because uncle Jonathan, if he doesn't have coffee, he's going to be so grumpy about it. You know, maybe there are ways to take care of uncle Jonathan without having it dictate your whole wedding is sort of my, yeah. you know, my thought there. We do, we do not need to plan the whole wedding around uncle Jonathan. Exactly. He's going to be fine. Exactly. He's going to be fine. Or, and, and by the <laughs> way, for the record, if he's not, is that because he's just a grumpy uncle who's never going to be happy? He's just a jerk. Right. He might just be he's a just jerk. a jerk. So don't let him be the boss of you. <laughs> like, you know, put it, I've done that. I did that myself when I was planning, actually, my college graduation. I had a grumpy uncle. His name's not Jonathan, but he's a grumpy uncle. <laughs> and I changed our host hotel to make it so he could like uh, get a, a better room rate because the hotel we were going to stay at was like really nice and we got good rates, but he was too much. You know, he, he's very cheap. Oh. And, uh, and so we changed the whole hotel, picked a hotel. I didn't like half as much. And do you think he stayed there? No, he did not. Oh. He, he went, picked his own hotel. And all I thought was, why on earth was I even worrying about you in the first place? Oh. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so I learned that lesson actually when I was 21, but it still applies to weddings and everything else. You can't let those grumpy people kind of dictate everything because they can make you crazy, even oh if it's gosh. only in your own head. <laughs> they can absolutely make you crazy. And then, as you yeah. said, they don't even appreciate and they don't give a shit anyway. So it's not, you're not going to really make don't. them happy. They're just, You're really they're just grumpy jerks and that's it. The end. Exactly. You just got to move on with your life. You know, do your best to, you know, <laughs> be happy with what you're doing and move on. Oh, my God. I love it. So Sarah, <laughs> if people want to get in touch with you, uh, could you share some of the contact information to, uh, to get in touch and learn more about what you do? Absolutely. So um, our catering website is joels.com, J-O-E-L-S.com. And then the venue that we own is called Il Mercato. It's the market in Italian. So that's um, ilmercatoevents.com is our is our venue in New Orleans. And spend some time on joels.com because, as I said, it's made me really hungry. I want to eat it all. I'm so glad to hear that. Oh my <laughs> we gosh. work really hard on our venues and, and having really delicious food. It's, it's honestly the reason that, that we exist as a company is to make delicious food for parties. Well, I've licked my screen, so, you know, I'm ready. <laughs> Good. Good. I like it. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing this time. And it's great to learn um, more about what you do. And also thank you for sharing your wonderful knowledge. And I hope people go away from this going a bit more clearly minded with what they want with their food, but also realize there are always options and there's flexibility, but you've just got to ask for it and know what you want. Exactly. Communication is key. Finding a vendor that you know, that you get to know, that you trust, that you think kind of understand where you're coming from, and then you can have really great communication with them and get exactly what you're looking for. I love it. I love it. And I really hope that we can uh, chat again in the very near future and you can share more wonderful knowledge. I would love that too. I have so much to say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Happy days. 
The Bride Chilla Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right? <laughs>